All right, let's get into tonight's message. We're starting a five-week series. Everybody say five weeks. We're starting a series called Chase the Dark. You can go ahead and throw it up there. Chase. Hey, that's pretty sick. Wow, look at that. Um, this will lead us all the way up to camp. And I think this message, this message, this series is going to be really important. I think it's going to be life-changing. If you can, if you're new here, if you don't have anything going on the next five weeks, if you commit to being here for the next five weeks, I think your life will change. I really do. Um, but this series is birthed out of a, a word that I felt was spoken into my life um, probably, I don't know how long ago it was, guys, like I don't, a few months ago. A few months ago, um, it was right around the time that we found out um, Nathan, that your sister had been diagnosed with cancer, and we had some other folks, I remember that week, we had some other folks who, their friends were diagnosed with cancer as well, and then I, I remember that I, uh, some of my closest friends and dear loved ones and people um, that I care about very much were struggling with their mental health and things like that, and, and so all this was coming at once, and, uh, and it was like 10 o'clock on a Thursday night, and I... Um, if you wonder why I sound kind of like a frog right now, it's because I lost my voice last week, but it's coming back super good, okay? Just letting you know. If you're like, bro, he sounds funky. <laughs> uh, all right, we're good. Um, and if I cough, I'm not sick. It's just, you know, have you ever lost your voice before? You're trying to get it back? That's all it is, okay? So I'm good, I promise. Ah. Um, so, anyways, about 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday, and... Uh, I, I felt, who's ever felt like all of a sudden you just can't breathe? Anybody felt like that? I, I haven't felt that many times in my life, but I found out about these diagnoses. I found out about friends struggling with their mental health, which is so um, tough, so dangerous, right? I saw, I heard about all these different things, and I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I, I, need, I need some air, and I, I, I told Danielle, I was like, I need to go. I need to go. She's like, well, where are you going? I don't know. I need to go. I need to go outside. So I just went outside. It's like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and I, I went outside, and I was like, I'm going for a walk. So I put in my headphones, and I, and I put on my Maverick City music playlist, and I start walking around. I even texted some of the boys. I said, boys, be ready. Like, I'm calling down heaven right now. So, But I was overwhelmed. I was angry. I was confused. I was sad. I was scared. Everything else, right? So I turned on this music. I'm walking. <clears throat> Good Lord. Um, and I felt... God speak to me, and I felt that he said something. So let me preface this real quick. Someone's like, someone right now in this room is like, you felt God speak to you? Does he, like, talk? What's his voice sound like? And uh, he kind of sounds like Sheldon from uh, the Big Bang. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't. I, no. When God, and I think it's different for everybody. Some people hear an audible voice. Some people get a feeling. Some people, whatever. For me, when God speaks to me, and the only reason I'm sharing this is so that you know that it's real, that you know that God can speak to people. Uh, when God speaks to me, it's like this, like, unapologetic interruption of my mind. So what I mean is I could be thinking about something, I could be singing something, and all of a sudden just something will come to my mind, like a phrase or something, and that I would have never thought of, I didn't even understand, and, that, and I knew it was God, right? The other way I knew it was God is because it lined up with, with, um, my, with, with the Bible, right? And so there was this... this phrase that came to me it said chase the dark everybody say chase the dark I said chase the dark so I'm walking around I said, chase the dark I said I don't know what you mean bro <laughs> chase the dark okay well, I'm kind of tired <laughs> like, I don't want to I don't want to chase anything right now you know 
I said, there's a lot of street lights, you know, where is it dark right now? So I said, it's scary. I said, God, it's scary where it's dark and there's homeless people and there's gang members and they want to kill me. And he's like, no, there's not. You're fine. And uh, I said, no, you don't understand. And he said, chase the dark. So I said, okay. So me being, like, if you know me, I'm kind of like, in some ways I'm smart. Otherwise, I'm kind of dumb. You know what I mean? So, like, I was like, I was like, okay, I'll chase the dark. So I started running. It's like 1030 at night, and I just started running. Like, I'm, I don't know where I'm running. I don't know what's going on, but I'm running. I got my head set in. And, you know, if you said it, we believe it. And I'm just taking off, you know? <sighs> you know? And, uh, and I'm running. I'm running downstairs, upstairs, around, down by the beach. I'm just running. Just, and I'm at a pace that I've never ran at in my life, ever. You know, Danielle, I don't run. I just, it don't happen. Everything jiggles too much, and I, it makes me uncomfortable. And my joints start to hurt, so I do, like, fast stuff. Like, but not, I don't, like, jog for a long time. It makes me feel weird. So, so, I'm, so I'm running. I'm taking off. I'm, I'm, I'm taking off. I'm going, and I'm just hustling. And I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm, I'm crying all of a sudden. I start weeping. I said, what's going on? Why am I weeping? What's going, like, you know what I mean? And, but, but the Spirit of the Lord is just overwhelming me, and I'm running. And, and, I, and I run for about 45 minutes to an hour, which is wild to me, but whatever. So I do it, and I get done, and I'm like, <laughs> right? Who's ever been there when you're done running? Or you want to lay down, but you're like, oh, if I lay down, I'm going to puke. And so you're like, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay like right here. If I go too far, I'm going to just puke. If I go too far back, I'm going to fall asleep. So I'm just going to stay like right here, right? And then I felt something else, and it says, it's, God said to me, a flame does no good for an already lit room. Chase the dark. So I got a little bit more. I got a little bit more. What does this mean? What does chase the dark mean? And God said that a flame, like a candle, you guys know what I'm talking about, or like a, a flashlight, modern day flame, hey, a flame does no good in an already lit room. What would you do if someone ran in here right now with a flashlight and said, it's okay, everybody, it's okay, I have light. You'd be like, that's crazy because there's like at least 200 light bulbs in here, right? If someone ran in here with a candle, like old school candle, they're like, guys, don't worry, don't worry. We're good. I got some light. You'd be like, you are crazy. Like, you don't need that in here. There's already light. And so for me, I, I, I finally realized what this meant because the Bible tells us to, to, to right, go and, and, and shine our light, right? And to be a, a beacon on a hill. And if I am to shine my light, I ought to go to places that don't, already have light shining in them. So me, so as a pastor, as a Christian, as a leader, and you, you guys as well, as, as, as Christians, as young leaders, as young world changers, your job is not to go into an already lit room with a candle and say, don't worry, I got this. Your room is to find a dark place that hasn't been reached yet and say, maybe I can provide a light for you to see in here. Amen. What good am I as a pastor if I only preach to Christians? Right? When I was a kid, and I was a little bit wrong with this, but when I was a kid, I had a real big problem with Christian concerts. And I, and I, I was a little immature in my thinking because I think there's a, pay, uh, there's a place for them. I'd rather be at, now I'd rather be at a Christian concert than some other concert that's telling me all sorts of crazy stuff. You know what I mean? So I think there's good. But when I was a kid, I, I didn't like it. Why? Because I was like, why... Are we spending a bunch of money and wasting our time singing all these songs to just a bunch of Christians? Why don't we go find some sinners? And Newsflash, we all are sinners. Amen. Uh, I was like, oh, that's me. Uh, but, 
Right, but I was like, what kind of pastor am I if I'm only preaching to Christian people? What kind of pastor am I if I'm not building the kingdom, just pulling a crowd? What good am I as an ambassador for Christ if I never share his gospel to someone who's never heard it before? So that stuck with me since then and has been shaping how I'm approaching my life. But when I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you guys next, because we've been like killing it. We've been like three, four series in a row that have been flames, you know what I mean? No pun intended. But they've been good, and it's awesome. We've been breaking down scripture. I said, what am I going to preach about next? And I thought about, I thought about this. I thought about, I want to preach about chasing the dark, because it's meant so much to me recently. But I also want to preach about being equipped to face the dark when we get there. I don't want to preach just about chasing the dark. I want to preach about being equipped to face the dark once we get there. And it's kind of a, a trick question. It's kind of a, 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 a gotcha moment because the cool thing about this is if we do it right, we'll never actually reach the darkness. If we chase the dark correctly and with Jesus, we will never, ever reach it. Why? Because everywhere I go, there's light. If I'm carrying Jesus with me, if I have his spirit with me, everywhere I go, there's light. So there's no possible way for me to reach the darkness. Let me give you an example. Let's say I'm at my house, and I cut the breaker. All the lights go off. It's like a movie. Usually when that happens, I pull out like a bunch of guns or something. I'm about to fight somebody, but that's not what's going to happen here. I'm going to act a fool, okay? So, so, I, so I, I cut the breaker, and then I pull out a flashlight, and I run around my house. Like a maniac. Danielle's like, bro, what? But I promise you one thing, despite looking totally crazy, uh, there is nowhere I will reach that is dark. I might see it a far ways off, but when I get there, it's not dark no more. So it doesn't mean that I can't recognize dark. I can see the dark, but if I got my light, as soon as I get there, it's not dark no more. That's how we ought to live our life. If we have Jesus in our hearts, truly, like not just to feel good, not just to hang out with our friends, not just to, like if we truly have the life-changing power of Jesus in our hearts everywhere we go, there shouldn't be darkness no more. And so we have to ask ourselves the questions, why is there still darkness in my heart? Why is there still darkness in my friend group? Why are there still things we're struggling with? One, the answer is because we're not perfect, and we're, sometimes our light goes out, and we're like, ah, change the batteries, right? Uh, but the other thing is maybe, maybe, like the Bible says, maybe we've taken our light and put it underneath a basket. Maybe we've put it underneath our shirt. And like, who? I got a flashlight. You can't see it. <laughs> right? We got to pull that out and shine it. Amen? Here's another thing I want to clarify. Chasing the dark does not mean messing around with dark things. This is very, very important, especially for you young people. There was times in my life where there were spooky things and, oh, type this into this and someone's going to say this to you or mess around with this or this. Do not mess around with dark things. And it doesn't mean I'm experimenting with dark things. It does not mean that I'm going to embrace dark things. It doesn't mean I'm going to flirt with dark things. It, it, it means I'm going to chase it. And what I mean by chasing the dark things is I'm going to chase it in a way that when I get there, it leaves. I'm not chasing it to be friends with it. I'm not chasing darkness to be familiar with it. I'm not, this is why the Bible says I'm, I'm, I'm 
in the world, but I'm not of the world. I got it right this time. The, the reason the Bible says that is because I will chase the dark. I will know about the dark. I will see the dark. I will know what it's like when I get there. But when I get there, it will no longer have space to breathe. And so we oftentimes too much, guys, and I'm just being real. I'm preaching hard, but here it is. We oftentimes too much mess around too much with sin. We stand like this, back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth, and pretty soon our flashlight falls, and we can't reach it no more, and we get pulled in. And now we'll wait the rest of the time for someone else to come with their flashlight to get us out. And so in our attempt to chase the dark, we lost the light and became the dark. And we can't, we can't do that. It's dangerous. It's dangerous for your soul. It's dangerous for your life. There, there are real life implications to darkness. Amen? And so we see these in movies. We see them glorified and all these different things. And, and you're like, bro, Brett, you just talked about being cool. You're not being cool right now. Brett, don't start acting like my mom telling me I can't watch horror movies and stuff. But look, there's, there's re- those types of things are real. I mean, maybe not all of them, right? Like it, the clown, it's probably not real. I don't know, when I was in high school, there were some crazy clowns going around all of a sudden. It was like a thing. And I was like, catch me in the street with a clown, I swear, right? But, but, but for, for me, it's like those things are real, and we can't pretend like they're not. There's a dangerous thing going around right now where we are pretending like dark, dark things are not real, and it's just kind of a thought process. And it's a, it's a way of life. It's a way I'm going to express myself. It is not. Right? Flirt too much with the fire, you're going to get burned. Right? I'll tell you this. There's no space for darkness wherever I go. Right? One, a, a person I know, and, uh, and Allie knows, uh, they, he, he's a guy that goes to um, jujitsu with us. Um, I won't share his name just to protect him and their family. But, um, but his, his, uh, his wife um, passed away uh, a while back in or a few uh, months ago, and he gave this speech at our jiu-jitsu um, belt ceremony. It, I, it was like the one of the most impactful things I ever heard in my life. And he said, you know, because he's a single dad now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, single dad, three three kids, two kids, three kids, single dad, three kids. How do I, how, what? How do I pick up those pieces, right? And he said people would ask him, like, how is he, are you okay? How are you doing? Whatever. And he said, that's cool. I like that, he said, but now the thing that I want to hear the most is I want you to ask me how I'm feeling. And, and then he said, the reason why is because I'll answer it this way. I'm feeling dangerous. And it was like kind of like, ooh, that's cool, you know. And I was like, what do you mean? But he said, he said, I've been in such a dark place that it almost overcame me. But I fought back so hard that I believe there's nobody more dangerous to that darkness than me. Right? And so th- that, that's, th- I, I promise anywhere I go, there ain't going to be no darkness. Why? Because I'm going to shine my light. I'm gonna, and so with you, fight in your life to eliminate darkness. Fight in your life to chase it out. Fight in your life to move it out. Don't flirt with it. Don't give it your time. Don't think about it. Don't say like, oh, well, maybe they have a point. They don't have a point. It's evil. And put it out. Put it out. And I'm talking, about the, I'm talking about the things, the people. Love the people. Love them. Love them like crazy. 
But if someone's trying to introduce you to a very dark thing, to mess around with some dark things, be like, hey, I don't, I don't have space for that. Right? And you shouldn't either. Amen? It's hard, though. <laughs> and, and we'll mess up. And we'll accidentally turn off our light. And we'll arrive at the darkness. And we'll panic. And we not know what to do. But our goal should always be to drive it away, right? But, but, but how am I equipped... How am I equipped to do this? How am I equipped to drive it away? Or how am I equipped to react when my light accidentally goes out and I have to now face it? How am I equipped? All right, now we'll get to it. Here's the message. (laughs) If you have your Bible, open them up to Ephesians 6. If you don't have your Bible, we're going to throw it up on the screen, so don't worry. Don't trip. It's cool. Uh, But we're going to read Ephesians 6, 11 through 17. This is how we're going to chase the darkness. This is how we're going to chase it. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Also, I got to say, I stepped on the scale the other day, and the whole armor of God is real heavy. I just want to let you know. Like, it's it's real heavy. I was wearing it, and I was like, wow, look at that. I'm just kidding. All right. (laughs) I had to do that because I'm about to make some of you really mad, so it's okay. So laugh a little bit. Remember that. Um, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, that's a cool word, over this present darkness. Present darkness. Not past darkness, not future darkness, present darkness. What does that mean? It's here. Here we go. The spiritual, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Verse 14. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And the shoes for your feet. Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances take up the shield of faith. Which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. The first thing I want to point out is the the first verse, 11, it says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then it said present darkness. So what this is telling me is the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, whatever the heck you want to call him, prince of darkness, whatever, he's real. Okay, and I'm not saying this to freak you out. I'm just letting you know, let's not flirt with those things. Okay? He's real. He's a fallen angel who has a whole army of other fallen angels, also known as what? Demons. Darmans. Okay? Darmoniuses. And, I'm just kidding. Who all of those, all the above, want to delight in the destruction of your life. And they want to delight in the destruction of the gospel message. And let me be be abundantly clear. I'm going to make this like foolproof. I'm not saying the idea of Satan is real. I'm saying the person is real. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. Because the Bible says it is. And I believe the Bible. Amen? But here's, here's, here's the thing. For all you new people, you're like, dude, you are freaking me out. Okay, listen. Listen. With Jesus. Sorry, homies. You're good. I love you. Here's, it, here's what it is, though. With Jesus, with Jesus... 
we have the victory. So it's cool. We don't have to worry. We don't have to trip. I'm not scared of the devil. Why? Because he can't touch me. Everywhere I go, there's light. There ain't no room for darkness. So there's no reason to be scared. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm not saying this to be, ooh, weird. Right? It's not, it's not weird. I'm just saying this to like, hey, I don't want to mess with that stuff if I don't have to. I'm going I'm to walk around with light because that's what God wants me to do. And I'm, my, I'm scared of the dark, okay? When I was a kid, I had a nightlight, like four of them, you know, because I'm scared. And I don't want to be scared. Anybody want to be scared? Cool. We're good. So we're walking around in the light. Amen? John 10.10 says, the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and life more abundantly. So the dark is not a place or substance or being to mess around with. It's something to drive out in the name of Jesus. So to do this effectively, we must be equipped with the full, despite how it looks on the scale, the full armor of God. Amen? The full armor of God. So for the five weeks, we're going to break this down. What's the armor of God? What are the pieces of it? Why do I need it? How, what's the purpose of this? The purpose of, of this is so that I can chase out the dark. Say goodbye to all those things. And live a life filled with light and grace. Amen? The first thing, the belt of truth. This is what I'm going to talk about today. Next week, Ben's going to preach. He's going to be awesome. He's going to talk about righteousness. And he's going to be nicer than I am. I'm going to be mean today, okay? But he's going to be nice. So if you hate me today, come back next week. I won't even be here. So you can talk bad about me and stuff, and Ben will listen, okay? So no, I'm just kidding. The belt of truth. The first thing we need, first thing we need to chase the dark out is the belt of truth. There's two main functions of a belt. We're going to discuss them and why Paul says this in Ephesians. Number one, a belt is there to hold everything in place. If I was not wearing my belt right now, you would see my chonies. And nobody wants to see those, right? Okay, because these pants are a little big. If I have my shirt tucked in and I'm not wearing a belt, what happens? I give, I get, I look goofy for one. Thank you. Yes. The other thing is, I give one praise break to the Lord, and you're seeing my belly. You know what I mean? So I need the belt. So, but here's the reason. So it says the belt of truth. Everybody, stay with me. Pay attention. Here we go. This, I will say one thing. I said this to our leadership team. If, if you if you receive this, if you hear this message, and I'm not being cocky and I'm not being weird about this, but if you receive this message, it will change your life. It really, really will, okay? It might make you mad. That's okay. Wrestle with it. If you receive it, it'll change your life. Amen? So, the belt of what? So, without truth, without real truth in our lives, everything will fall down and out of place. Nothing will hold up until we know what is true and what is untrue. Amen? So there's something in, in the debate world called a straw man fallacy. Anybody ever heard of a straw man fallacy? Okay, a straw man fallacy occurs when someone takes another person's argument or point, distorts it or exaggerates it in some kind of extreme way, and then attacks that extreme distortion as if, the re, as if, the, as if that is really the claim the first person was making. 
So, so, so this person says something. This person says, oh, wow, you said this. And they're like, no, no, no. And they're like, well, this is why that's wrong. And if you argue that way, it's called a straw man because pretty soon you figure out the person that you created is made out of straw. And this is what's happening in society a lot right now. We are creating things. We are creating truths. We are creating falsehoods that aren't false, truths that aren't true. And we're building cases for all these different things, especially in, in the, the political world, in our social world, all these kind of stuff. I'm not trying to get into that. I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher. I'm, I'm a pastor, and I love you. Okay, so here's, here's what the, so the reason I say that is I'm preaching this because I love you, not because I want to be right. Okay? Because I know what it takes for your life to be changed and for you to be, be new from the inside out. Amen? And so I'm not going to preach at you my political stance because you could care less. I'm not going to preach at you, any, but I will preach the gospel to you because it will change your life. So, so, but there's all this kind of stuff. And we see it. If you go down the road, there, there's, there's straw men, there's slippery slopes, there's all these kind of things because you, could, you can't build an argument on a lot of things people are building arguments on nowadays. On every side of the spectrum. Everyone's just, oh, you said this? No, I didn't. Boom, right? And it's like this whole thing. We take something, blow it out of proportion, believe it to be true, and then attack it all the way until we realize it's made out of straw. I'm going to make some people mad right now. So be prepared. Buckle your seatbelts. I love you when I say this, okay? But this is why we have to be very, very careful with the modern language of my truth. So... Listen, this. I'm not saying this to. I'm not saying this to say your truth is not true. I'm saying this to say your truth is your experience. Okay, so if you don't know what my truth is, it, it's this thing that we we are talking about a lot in society and bringing up. And I know I'm making people mad right now, but please just listen to me, okay? We bring it up because because. When, when we're arguing with somebody and they bring up this point and they bring up this point, well, that's my truth and you can't say it's wrong. And in some ways, that's true. Because your experience is real. Your experience is valid. Your experience is justified. Amen. And God cares deeply about your experience. But because you experience something does not mean it's true for everybody else. One of my youth pastors, Jabin Chavez, preached a message on this a while back and made a good point. That while people's experiences are so important and valid and justified, a truth cannot be only true for one person. So a, a truth cannot be owned by anybody. Does that make sense? Like, I can't own truth. I can't, I can't say that truth is mine. I, I can't possess truth. Truth is truth. And lies are lies. And so we have to be careful with talking about my truth and their truth and everybody else's truth. It's my experience, and this is what happened to me, and that is true. And your experience and what happened to you is very, very true. But here's what I want to say. Did it happen to you? Yes. Will it happen to everybody else? No. Will it happen to some? Maybe. But we have to start being real with ourselves and talking that way. Because we start building out these scenarios based off of one instance and one experience. And we can't do that because everything's going to fall down. All this to say we have to figure out where to find truth and real truth. Not possessed truth. Not owned truth. Not borrowed truth. 
We have to figure out where do we go when we're looking for real truth. Where do we go when we want to, this is a popular word today, where do we want to go when we need to fact check something? <laughs> you guys seen all those like COVID updates on Instagram and social media? Like someone posts something about COVID and they're like, yo, this person's way off. They're way wrong, right? In some ways I'm glad for fact checking. In other ways I'm not, but like <laughs> it's kind of funny. But anyway, so where do we go when we want to fact check things? Uh, and where do we go when we're trying to find our truth? And it has to be if you believe in Jesus, and if you are a Christian, if you're not, that's okay. We might get there today with you, I believe, because you're awesome and God loves you. But if you believe in Jesus and if you call yourself a Christian, the place that we have to get our truth is where? The Bible. It's no other place. I can't get it from Fox News. I can't get it from CNN. I can't get it from NBC. I can't get it from Twitter. I can't get it from Instagram. I especially can't get it from Facebook. I can't get it from my friends. I have to get it from where? The Bible. With truth, real truth, from the creator himself, everything will stay in place. Just like a belt is supposed to. Number two, a belt is there to carry a weapon. Like Batman's utility belt, you know what I mean? It's got a pack of gum right here. It's got a sword right here. It's got a little boomerang. Right here. I don't know. Yeah, a batarang. Sorry. Ah, gosh. No, I'm just kidding. We, we read in Scripture, and later we'll talk about how God's word, the Bible, is the sword of the Spirit. Everybody say the sword of the Spirit. All right, I'm getting to a close. Here we go. Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. The sword of the spirit, the Bible, a weapon against darkness, something to help us drive out darkness with light. Amen? But here's the thing. What, what is the belt supposed to do? It's supposed to hold what? A weapon. It's supposed to hold the weapon. So the Bible will have zero power in your life if you don't believe it to be true. If I don't hold the Bible up with my belt of truth, if I don't hold the Bible up believing it's true, it will mean absolutely nothing. It will have no power over anything if you don't believe. And here's what I'm saying. You can't take some scripture and say this is what's true and take others and say I don't like that. There's only one creator I know. His name is God. I'm not creating nothing. So listen, I have to hold the Bible up and believe it's true. The whole thing. Genesis to Revelation. Every word. The whole thing is true. I'm getting fired up because there's a lot of people who don't think the Bible's true. There's a lot of people, and th this is the other thing. I'm not forcing anybody to believe what I believe. I'm telling all y'all what I believe. Amen? And I'm telling you what will change your life, okay? That the whole Bible, every word in it is true. We don't get to pick and choose what we like and what we don't like. It's God's word, therefore I will follow it. Not, I like God's word, so I follow it. See the difference? It's God's word, so I will follow it. Good news is, here's the good news. You're like, Brett, finally, here's the good news. Sheesh. Here's the good news. God is a good, just, loving, humble, peace-filled God. So if I follow his word exactly, what will I be? Humble, peace-filled, loving, all the things. Yeah, you were getting there. You were getting there. You're right. You're totally right. 
Gianna was ready to come preach. She was like, bro, give me that mic. I know this. <laughs> That's good. But, but if I follow the word exactly, despite what culture tells me, if I follow the word exactly, I will be all those things too. I'll be good. I'll be just. I'll be loving. I'll be holy. Amen? But that's if we really follow it. I talked about a few weeks ago, I've met some hateful Christians and religious folk who hide their hatred behind their interpretation of God's word. And this is super prevalent today. So I'm not just preaching to to people who who don't believe what I believe. I'm preaching to people who believe what I believe and and give it a bad rap. So there's there's two sides of the spectrum here. One, we got to get some folks to believe that the Bible's true. The other ones, we have to get people to believe that what they think about the Bible does not mean they can hate somebody. There's nowhere in the Bible where it tells me to hate anybody for any reason. That's not of God. God is love and goodness and patience and kindness and gentleness and all these things that we just talked about. But all of that has to be held up by truth. So here's how I'll close. I got a story to tell. Who's ever heard of the story about the woman caught in adultery? Anybody? We know this story so well. My, my youth pastor of old, Jabin Chavez, spoke a message on this this weekend. I was listening to it, and so I'm going to steal it. Uh, I'm going to steal what he said, and I don't care, okay? So if he's listening to this, I love you, and it's okay. Uh, I was his student sometimes, so I have permission. So if any of you become pastors one day, you could steal any one of my messages, and I will be honored, okay? There are two aspects to this story. Listen, the story goes like this. There's a woman caught in adultery. Does everybody know what adultery is? Raise your hand if you know what adultery is, okay? She was caught in sexual sin outside of marriage, cheating on her husband. And there's this whole group of of men, freaking men, right? Idiots. There's this whole group of men, this whole group of men who say, Jesus, in the Bible, it says that we ought to stone people who commit adultery. Stoning is like throwing rocks at somebody until they die. <laughs> okay, well, that ex- escalated quickly. Like, you know, what exactly? Could we just, like, go to jail maybe for a little while? <laughs> or, like, smack on the hand? Or, you know, maybe lose some money? I don't know. Uh, and so they're, they're adamant about this. They're trying to trap Jesus. And, and famously, we hear Jesus say, those of you that have, that have not sinned, throw the first stone. And we love that scripture. It's our favorite one. But there's parts after that that we have to get to where he tells the woman, Who's, who here has condemned you? She says, no one, my Lord. He goes, then neither do I. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. So there's no condemnation but we ought to live a life that there's no sin. There's, the reason I'm telling you this story is there's two type of people in here. We see Jesus bringing this picture of grace and truth. We love like crazy and accept people and bring them to meet Jesus because he could change their life and give them grace, but we also have to know the truth because without grace, we're the Pharisees. And without the truth... We're the woman caught in adultery. And we're destined for destruction. And so 
I, I, I want to I preach to a couple people in this room. So listen up. If you, even if you hate me so far, that's okay. Listen up here. Some of you have huge, huge hearts and are all about grace. And, and, and you want everybody to be loved, and I agree with you. And you want everybody to be accepted, and I agree with you. And, and, but, but it goes so far, and I have to be real with you, that you need a little bit more truth. You do. I love your grace. I love it. It's godly. It's, it's, it's awesome. But you have to pair grace with truth, or you'll end up like the woman caught in adultery. You have to. You can't just be all grace and no truth. And some of you, the other ones, are so incredibly smart and read your Bible all the time and you know it and, you, and, you've, and you've indulged the Bible and you know the truth and you lack so much grace. And without the grace, you become the Pharisee. And unfortunately, we oftentimes think that having truth and no grace is better than having grace and no truth, and that's not true. The person who was embraced and changed that day was the person who had no truth. Because it's easier for me to tell you the truth and show you the truth, like Jesus did, than it is for me to force you to have grace. Amen? So, so think, think hard. Who are you in that scenario? Everybody close your eyes. I don't, want, I don't want anybody distracted. I don't want anybody thinking about anything else. Who are you? Are you the person who is so loving and so grace-filled and you want everybody to be accepted and you want everybody to do this? And, it's, and, and that's great. Jesus will have everybody at the table. Jesus will accept everybody. Jesus says, come as you are, but he loves you so much that he will not let you stay as you are. And so are, are, are you the person who is filled with grace but doesn't have enough truth? And I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I just want you to know that in your heart. Is that you? The other one, are you the person who has so much truth but lacks grace? Like you know what the Bible says. You know what people should be doing. But you spend your whole life telling other people what they should be doing instead of doing what you should be doing. And you need to find the grace. So if you're the truth person, find grace. If you're the grace person, find truth. The cool thing is both people are in the room. Maybe you guys should hang out. You can open your eyes back up because we're, we're good. You figured it out. Does everybody know where they're at? Raise your hand if you know where you're at. And we lean one way or the other, all of us. I'll tell you where I'm at. I'm the one, I'm the grace person. I lean that way. I get scared to preach hard truths. You know how much anxiety I had today about preaching this message? And it wasn't even that crazy, right? But I, I was like, oh, my, oh, my. I, <laughs> these kids finally just started loving me. <laughs> And I'm going to make them all so mad. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I'm the type of person, I, I, want, I want grace. I want love. I want everybody to feel loved. I don't want anybody hurting. I don't want anybody to, I don't want to see anybody cry. I don't want to see anybody hurting. Because I'm running around with what? My light. And I'm trying to shine it everywhere. No darkness. No darkness. No darkness. Right? And I need to bring a little bit more truth to you so that I can set you up for success. But some of you are the opposite. Some of you are truth, 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 truth. <laughs> some of you are like, Brett, you're preaching that wrong. <laughs> right? And you're like, truth, truth, truth. And then, and, then, and then you don't have any grace for anybody. You don't have any grace for, for people who sin differently than you. I won't even call them sinners because you are too. 
grace and truth. Amen? And let me tell you this, the truth is Jesus. I've been preaching a long time, but it's been good, so I don't apologize. So the truth is Jesus. And Jesus says that the truth will set you free. Oh, my goodness, there are some people in this room that need to be set free today. There's some of you, and, and it might be hard to admit, but you're just bound up. You're just bound up and pulled in all sorts of different directions, and you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's grace. You don't know what's truth. You're just bound up, and you need to be set free. Close your eyes again. If you are that person who needs to be set free, everybody close your eyes. If you're that person who needs to be set free tonight, I promise you Jesus can free you. I promise Jesus can set you free. I promise Jesus can change your life. If you're that person who needs to be set free from your bondage, set free from your sin, would you raise your hand as high as you possibly can? Nobody's looking around. No, it's just you. Just make this commitment to Jesus. Jesus, I need freedom. Jesus, I need jubilee. Jesus, I need some joy. Jesus, I need my life to change. Jesus, I need you to step into my circumstance and free me from this. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you. Pray this with me. Don't say it out loud, but just pray it in your heart. Jesus, we worship you. We accept you into our heart tonight. Jesus, change us from the inside out help us to have more grace lord help us to have more truth lord help us to know who you are that you died on the cross for our sins lord that you rose again three days later so that we can live a life filled with grace but god help us to know that your word in every single letter in it is true and help us to live by it in jesus name everybody said the loudest amen you've ever said 